Welcome to Season 5, Episode 6 of the Family Travel Australia podcast. We are Paul, Katie and Jasper from the Feel Good Family. Join us as we explore this great country, Australia, its people, places and cultures. Yes, welcome to the Family Travel Podcast where we share the latest in RV, industry news, road trip travel, camping, caravanning, product reviews, where to go, what to do, what to see and so much more. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you indeed. This week, our deliciously good road trip takes us 121 kilometres from Hobart to Cockle Creek, the end of the road. We cruise the majestic Huon River. We visit the Southern Hemisphere's largest Dolomite cave. We adventure into the Tarhoon, check out the Wooden Boat Centre before we eat and drink our way around the Huon region. Oh, I still feel full. <laughs> Release the belt buckle. <laughs> <laughs> and in the newsroom, beware of camping under trees. The widow maker is about this summer. We'll be talking about that. Mm-hmm. Awesome week. It is so full. In fact, there were 14 experiences, including our campgrounds, which is over double what we would normally try and, you know, experience and achieve in a week. Mm-hmm. So we might have to just trim the content down a little bit so that we can bring you everything and we would direct you to this week's episode over one hour in length of visual delights. Yes. A foodie's itinerary, this one, isn't it? Oh, it is absolutely stunning footage and it will make you hungry and make you want to travel down to the beautiful Huon region of southern Tasmania. Another good one to check out are our itineraries that you can access off our website. So we have our quick guide, the free download to give you a very short, sharp, punchy overview of what we've done, where we stayed, where we ate, where we drank, all of the excellent uh, experiences that we did whilst in region. And if you are thinking, okay, this looks good and we need to plan our own trip down there, then definitely download a copy of the ebook. 21 jam-packed pages of delicious goodness (laughs) from the Huon Valley region. It really is that good that we couldn't leave anything out. It really is. And look, this is extremely rare for us when we're on Mm. the road and we're almost at two and a half years on the road. Very rarely do we find somewhere where we think, hmm, one day. This could be Mm. a one-day place. The Huon Valley – definitely could be a one-day place. For me, anyway, Mm. the abundance of fresh, incredibly delicious produce and and what these amazing creators are doing down in the Huon is Mm. enough for me to think, hmm, okay, I could be here one day. I'd need to have a new habit, like an exercise routine. (laughs) Other than eating and drinking. (laughs) Well well in place before I move to, you know, Franklin, for instance. That would be my pick out of the Huon region. Absolutely stunning. Let's get into it. All right. One thing I do want to mention is that, obviously, to get to this island state, you need to get on the ship if you are travelling with your RV. Mm -hmm. The Spirit of Tasmania. Check out the link in the description to this podcast and watch that particular episode on YouTube. Mm. It has had 
tens of thousands of views. Uh, it is still completely re- relevant. It is called Spirit of Tasmania Top 10 Tips for Sailing. Mm-hmm. Awesome video to check out where we cover everything that you need to know before you go down here to Tassie. Yeah, it's been fantastic, actually. We have met quite a few people on the road this time around in Tassie who've said to us, oh, we found you guys because we were Googling Spirit of Taz and what do we need to know? And so it's really handy to have that information before you go. It was certainly all of the questions that we were asking ourselves before we sailed the first time. So great video to check out if you're on your way to Tassie. All right, take a deep breath. Here we go. Yep, here we go. Suck in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, our very first campsite was known as River's Edge. It's in Lonavale. It's an easy one hour's drive from Hobart. The last 12 kilometres is Unsealed Road, if you take the correct road. So the tip for us would be turn right after the Hewan River Bridge. So you drive through Mm. Hewanville, beautiful little township, and then you turn right straight after the next bridge mm-hmm. and you'll be on the correct road out yeah. through Glen Hewen and then out to Lonavale. Yes, definitely the smarter way to go. You can go the other way, of course. It just means you will be on a much longer stretch of unsealed road. Yes, and that particular stretch, about 5K of it, is not ideal. Even, you know, in an off-road rig, it's it's not fun, is it, when it's so corrugated that mm. you're, you're bouncing around the joint? Yeah, look, you certainly feel like you are headed out into the depths of Tassie's deep southern wilderness when you're driving out to River's Edge, and it feels like you are worlds away which is so fantastic and exactly what you want from a campground of this nature. But you really are still close to a lot of the small villages Mm -hmm. and the conveniences that come with that as well. Yes, look, the highlights for this particular location, uh, there is zero Telstra reception within the campground itself, Mm -hmm. which really can be a highlight. Uh, You can walk or drive up. It's literally a five-minute walk up to the main unsealed road and there is this one little pocket. There's an aerial high up into the air, a a nice bench seat, and there's a handful of other people there all checking their Facebook and Insta. (laughs) (laughs) Probably uploading their pictures of this incredible location. Mm -hmm. But uh, don't feel like you're going to be completely out of sync with the outside world, if that's your thing. You can still get reception there. It is over one kilometre of river frontage, Mm. which means whether you're in a powered site or an unpowered site, you have access to this Again, it's it's like a postcard. It's like the pictures that you see on Tassie Tourism's website. You know, it's it's that beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And the sites are massive. Powered sites available out there too, which was a surprise for me. I had this picture in my head of it being so remote that you would be all unpowered. Of course, there is a huge unpowered green grassy lawn area where you can choose your own site. But the powered sites are massive enough to fit a couple of caravans, definitely more than one camper trailer. Mm -hmm. Our neighbours had like tents and swags and marquees set up. A community they had. Yes. Mm. So it really does. It promotes that style of old school, getting together with your friends and family kind of camping. We loved it. There is a, an amazing platypus viewing platform mm-hmm. and there are some deeper pools that you can swim in, mm-hmm. fish in, 
the elusive local resident, the platypus, we didn't see. Mm-mm. But uh, there certainly is the viewing plat- uh, platform there to check that out and plenty of people around us saw them, not for us. Now, our first experience out of the Lonavale River's Edge caravan and campsite was to the Glen Hewen Dairy Co. Mm. This was a fabulous tour and something really different for us to experience. This dairy is the official milk provider, I suppose, for the Bruni Island Cheese Co. Oh, so good. Yes, we visited and we uh, tasted all of their delights when we headed over to Bruni Island on our first trip to Tasmania. As a side note, if you're coming to Tassie, Bruni Island is a absolute must. Do check out our YouTube video from that from season two. Okay, getting back to Glen Hewen, it's really unique. It is a very small scale dairy, but they are self-sustainable, fully certified organic. And what's great about this tour, it's a two hour walking tour. You get to do it with Richard, who is this lovely young UK guy who moved his young family out here to come and manage this property. And he just gives you really great information and opens your eyes to what makes this dairy so unique and so different from, I guess, the the traditional large-scale dairies that we have here around Australia and the practices that they're putting into place to really keep the animal welfare as their number one priority. Yeah. They've only got 50-odd mm-hmm. uh, cows on this dairy, all of whom you get to meet up close and personal and give a good scratch. They've all been hand-reared, so they love coming over and, and meeting people. Yeah, look, Richard is quite a character himself, yeah. so passionate. He's been a dairy farmer for most of his working career mm-hmm. and has run organic farms also in the UK, New Zealand, and now here mm-hmm. for – Glenn Hewen, he is a real geezer, you know. He's got that accent, so he's quite passionate and he's really sharing everything that he loves yeah. about cows. Uh, and was that all right? It was excellent. Good accent. Yeah. Uh, what and- do you think, Richard, if you're listening? <laughs> <laughs> and really good fun is that he introduced us to, uh, was it Roger Moore? James. James Bond, cheese, Paul. <laughs> there you go. Got to get them right. 007, the tag number of this particular cow and named James. So that was good fun as well. Look, the tour is accessible for everyone, easy for kids, mm. and to see the fattest, happiest cows that are yielding the you know the prime milk products mm-hmm. are amazing. Yeah, I, I really love this. And of course, you're walking around the farm in your wellies, your gum boots, and mm. Jasper got to see the baby, you know, the piglets. He got to see the chickens and and lift up the little flaps in the chicken coop to feel the warm eggs that were sitting there waiting to be collected. We got to walk down to the beautiful Hewan River that runs straight through this incredible property there in Glen Hewan. We got to try the native pepperberry that grows on the river's edge and that certainly packs a punch. That was an awesome experience. So all round, just a really great experience to be outdoors, enjoying this environment, learning a little bit, you know, educating yourself a little yeah. bit on on what oftentimes I think can be 
perceived as quite a negative industry. Well, these guys are leading the way. Excellent. Now, they do have a fantastic farm shop on site as well. The cheese tasting at the end of the tour mm-hmm. is an, is a highlight. Yeah. We love that. And they also allow you to take away their very own milk from the farm shop. So mm. if you want to uh, have the perfect coffee. Yeah. Milk on tap. Love it. All right. Next for us is a bit of a Tasmanian institution. It is called Willie Smith's Apple Shed. Yes. I mean, again, love this history of this region. You know, everywhere you go, you hear, oh, the family's been here for hundreds of years and and Willie Smith's is no exception. This is a five-generation strong family who have been growing and tending to their apple orchards here in the little town of Grove in the Huon Valley. What they have created, though, I think is, is world class. It is an absolute standout. If you could only do one foodie experience when you came to the Huon Valley, this should be your choice because it combines that family tradition, that incredible family story, the essence of what the Huon Valley is about in a world-class environment. The restaurant is amazing. Mm. The apple shed is incredible. Look, they, uh, as in the Huon Valley, really – gave rise to the term the Apple Isle, mm. you know. Yeah. They have uh, a, an apple wall there that displays 390 different varieties seasonally mm-hmm. of apples. It, until you're standing there and you're looking at this apple wall, can you believe how massive it is? Incredible. It's a piece of art within mm. their restaurant that serves up, oh, my goodness, some of the most incredible food that we have tasted on the road. They're famous, of course, for their ciders. They even distill apple spirits on site, and you can try a brandy, a liqueur. So it is a fabulous day out. You want to give yourself a good few hours to go and have a meal, try a paddle, Enjoy the environment. There's also a museum on site as well that is beautifully displayed. Awesome place to visit for lunch and to look out through those huge windows out onto the farmland as well. It's, yeah, just a a picturesque afternoon out and the gardens are beautiful outside as well. Yeah, they've done a great job. All right, on to the adventure now. We're heading to Tahu. Adventures. Yes. This was a surprise for us. I don't think we'd really read a lot about what to expect. Uh, As soon as we entered there, you realise you're in the southern wilderness of Tasmania and we headed straight to the hang glider known as the Eagle to soar high above the treetops of the Tahoon. Yes. I mean, the drive out's spectacular. You're headed out towards Hearts Mountain National Park. So it is just epic wilderness. And it's almost a little bit like, where are we going? Like, are we <laughs> on the right trail? And then you do arrive. The Eagle hang glider was fantastic. What I love about the setup here at Tahoon is that it is – Soft adrenaline. Is that the right way to put it? A gentle immersion into a rush. Yes. You don't have to be full-on hardcore, you know, I'm going to abseil off the building type of adrenaline junkie to really enjoy your time out here. And you can pick and choose your experiences. As you said, Paul, there's so much on offer. The Eagle Hang Glider, I was a little bit like, nah, (laughs) you can can do that, Paul. You know, I'm happy to let you 
do this one and I'll film you, you know, I'll be the responsible one. And and when they said, no, no, come on, you guys both need to do this. It's really fun. I was like, okay, all right. So on IHOP, they pull you up on the cable and I don't know how high you go, but let me tell you, you are up in the treetops looking down again over this incredible Huon River that just runs Mm. the whole way through this region you can feel the breeze, you get a bit of a sway on. Just kind of hanging your Ooh, legs are just... Yeah, taking in the view. Yeah. And then 25 kilometres an hour is what you come down on this cable. Mm. It doesn't sound very much, but when you're in the experience and you're up there, it certainly gives you that little rush. I, my heart rate definitely increased and it was just an excellent, fun, very safe experience. I loved it as well, and it definitely does give you a rush. Mm. And trying to hold on with one hand and one hand on the GoPro was interesting, but the footage is great. All right, the other highlights at Tarhoon include the Air Walk, mm. which is a spectacular walk. Again, high in the treetops, out over the Huon River. Mm. There's a beautiful gift store. There's a cafe that's licensed. You could while away hours out on the deck just looking over the Huon River. Mm-hmm. If you have your caravan, you can actually park out there and stay overnight in their overflow caravan parking area mm. that is only $10 a night. Mm-hmm. And then it is also dog-friendly. So you can bring your four-legged little family member. Yeah. There's accommodation on site, cabins for families, and that is also dog friendly. So really a great experience. And to drive out there through this incredible forestry Mm. is stunning. Yeah, it absolutely is. All right. Our next adventure takes in Hastings Caves. Now, this is known as the largest dolomite cave system in the southern Mm -hmm. hemisphere. I have to say, I was a little (laughs) bit nervous about getting underground again, hundreds of metres into the cave system, but it was awesome. It really is amazing. And it's one of those places that you you almost have to experience and see with your own eyes to really understand the grand scale Mm. of this cave. It opens up. As you, as you come into this cave, and it's, it's managed by Parks and Wildlife, I have to say they do an incredible job at how they have made it accessible through the staircases and the paths that they have mm. laid out within the cave system. It opens up into these huge chambers that are just – it's hard to wrap your head around, one, mm. I'm underground. Two, I'm underground in this massive cave. Hundreds of metres underground too. Yes. Mm. And then when you guide, we had Riley, who was fantastic. Great blend of information and quirky facts and care to make sure that everybody was doing okay and checking in on us the whole time. How are you doing, Paul? Look, I had what I would refer to as... A panic attack. I did. I absolutely was fine. And then we turned all the lights off. We did have to wear our masks, Mm. I will mention. Uh, Even though it was an an outdoor experience, it was an outdoor indoor or an outdoor underground indoor Mm. experience. So uh, masks masks were mandatory the whole time. Mm. So if you do feel a little bit claustrophobia and claustrophobic, then that can kind of add to that. Yes. I wouldn't see myself as someone who's claustrophobic, but- there was uh, a couple of moments there where my heart just started racing and I just thought, get me out of here. Mm. Uh, but look, Jasper said to me, it's okay, Dad, I got you back. It's like, thanks, little thanks, little buddy. Thanks, little five-year-old. 
Yeah, look, and I think Riley pointing out too that the cave system has been uh, in existence and growing for 750 million years. There you go. Kind of makes you realise that, okay, it's all okay. It's not going to come crashing down on us anytime mm. soon. Look, it was absolutely stunning. stunning. Yeah. The stalagmites and stalactites, they they looked gold. It was just the, the photos that we got are spectacular. If you do download it, download our ebook, you will see wow. that in there. It is so beautiful, such a great environment. A tip for us. It's nine degrees constant temperature, nine degrees Celsius. Yes, be warm. Yeah, and so <laughs> after about the first 15 minutes, your core body temperature does start to, to drop mm. and uh, you do feel it, so make sure you're rugged up. Uh, an awesome experience. All in all, we were down in the cave system, I think, for about 40 minutes, mm. 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. And then back out to the fresh air, mask off, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful forestry to walk through again. Mm. They do have a thermal hot pool. It's actually like a domestic pool but is being fed through a thermal hot spring. So mm. that's awesome as well. And we can vouch for their scones with fresh cream and jam. Oh, yum. Yeah. Absolutely. Baked, Do yourself a favour. Baked fresh daily. Yes. Okay, from there, it was only another 35 minutes down the road to what is known as the end of the road. It is the southernmost point in Australia that you can access via road. And so we drove right down to the very end. It's called Cockle Creek mm-hmm. to check out what, on this picture, perfect bluebird day, looks like we're in the Whit Sundays. I was absolutely blown away. I had no perception of what to expect down here. And Mm -hmm. to see that colour of that water, you're right, Paul, we could have been on any Pacific island looking out across this incredible turquoise clear water that was just gently lapping at this brilliant white sand of the beaches. I think I just stood with my mouth open for like five minutes. I just mm. could not believe how pristine this environment still is. I think it's really been able to maintain its natural beauty due to its remoteness. Mm. The last 21 kilometres are on a gravel road, mm. unsealed, at times pretty sketchy. Mm. Uh, you yeah, can our poor old aerial. Yeah, look, we broke our aerial mm. again, that's right, on the front of the Hilux. Uh, we were probably travelling at about 50, 60 kilometres an hour. Mm. Um, in hindsight, I probably could have dropped the pressure in the tyres a little, slowed down a little. But we had people screaming past us, mm. towing you know, camper trailers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Because it is so busy down there, we would recommend that you wouldn't actually camp down there during those peak seasons unless you are able to get in early and get mm. on the shoulder. Otherwise, you know, you could end up really just <laughs> camped in the, you know, like this in a tiny little pocket. And yeah, it's so. definitely a local's favourite and it seems yeah. to be one of those places in Tassie when there's holidays, locals flock there in abundance. And you can, look, you can yeah. understand why it is absolutely stunning. The only thing that's missing is pa- uh, palm trees. You know, that would make it look like a, you know, a North Queensland location. I think the lack of development is is really what Mm. makes this so stunning. The history here is incredibly rich. The French were the first Europeans to come through this region and were actually here in, I think, 1792 Mm. from memory. Beautiful interpretive boards that talk about the history here. They came for learning, not land. They communicated with 
the local Aboriginal people. They set up experimental garden and gardens. There were botanists and scientists, and uh, they even wrote down all of the language from mm. the local Aboriginal people. They were really about studying this area opposed to settling. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, came the English, the whalers, the fishermen, you know, and the convicts. The convicts. Yeah. So it has some great storyboards there, mm. worth your time to read. You can take a two-and-a-half-hour walk down to the very southern point to stand under the sign that says southernmost point in Australia, uh, which would also be an awesome walk. There are some longer walks. You do need a national parks pass. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you do organise that before you go. Yeah. And you also need your National Parks Pass, of course, to head to Hastings Caves as well. Okay. Awesome. So then it was back for us to collect the van and move to our next campsite known as the Huon Valley Caravan Park. This is actually one of our all-time favourite caravan campgrounds. And that is because we stayed here in 2020, a couple of years ago, and it is just so beautifully manicured, again, with the Huon River fringing the entire outskirt of this caravan um, park. There are premium sites, waterfront sites uh, that we have stayed on and absolutely loved. It's worth the extra 5 or $10. It is. It's a, it's a really perfect blend here of... All of the conveniences that come with a caravan park mixed in with a almost a farm stay vibe. Um, mm. the, the green grassy lawns, some of the aerial shots that we got with the drone just show how beautiful and lush this property is. So you literally step out of your caravan and you step into, you know, six inches of cushy green. Shagpole. Yes, grass. <laughs> it's just amazing. Um, plenty for the kids to do. They do a daily farm animal feeding. They have rescued Tasmanian devils on site that they also do demonstrations of daily. We were there over the weekend. They had great fun with the kids bringing out this huge bubble machine. I've never seen anything like it before. It was like a water cannon. I think I remember one from around I was 18 at a nightclub called Tropos. Remember those foam parties? Right. Okay, well, this was a version of that, but with eight-year-olds instead of 18-year-olds. On the grass, the kids, we lost Jasper for a second because he was just under a sea of bubbles. The kids absolutely loved that. You know, they can ride their bikes freely around the site. There's apple orchards. As you said, Paul, that river is amazing. We saw people swimming in the nice crisp water, fishing. We saw people with their kayaks and kayaks and stand-up paddle boards. There's so much to do. And again, it feels like that old school camping. You know, where you just get together with your mates, you have a fire, mm-hmm. you sit around at night, you meet your neighbours. It's very much got that vibe to it. Yeah, community. I Absolutely. Think. And again, Elusive to us, the local resident, the platypus. Oh, my goodness. Plenty of sightings. They have lots of signs that say they're platypus. We mm-hmm. just didn't see one. Mm-mm. Anyways, for us, it was out to adventure again, and this time to the Wooden Boat Centre. This is a world-famous centre because it provides ancient skill sets of boat building and shipwright courses that book out year on year. Mm. It's amazing. Uh, and uh, quite often, actually, as a learning centre – 
the students then stay on to become mentors or teachers, assistant teachers themselves. So they've they've really set up a remarkable college for shipbuilders here. Yeah, this was, again, a really excellent experience. You can self-tour your way through the, I guess, the main storefront mm-hmm. and read all of the information. We were met by Will, a, a lovely young man who was very passionate mm-hmm. about his position here at the Wooden Boat Centre and gave us some fantastic information. And then we were fortunate enough to have a tour with Graham, who is one of the the mentors here through the actual workshop. And he some of the information he gave us, how they utilise these yeah. ancient techniques from the Egyptians and the Vikings to still build these incredible wooden boats today. And and the timber, of course, is integral to the end result. He explained to us about the hue and pine. Wow. $14,000 a cubic metre. Holy dooly. <laughs> we, we were trying to get right. It's uh, measure twice, cut once. Oh, my gosh, measure more than twice, I think. He showed us this piece of hue and pine with all of the growth lines in it. One millimetre a year the hue and pine grows. When you have the opportunity to see these trees in the wild like we did when we were on the Gordon River cruise Mm -hmm. out of Strawn and you look up and you see this incredibly huge, amazing tree, and then to realise that they grow one millimetre a year, it certainly puts a lot of things about life into perspective. There are trees that are, you know, four, 5,000 years old. These trees, uh, I mean, I don't know if there's actually an age limit on them that, that has been dated, I guess, mm. or carbon dated. Okay, so next to the Wooden Boat Centre, or across the road, I should say, is Frank's Cider House and Cafe. We were met by Frank's granddaughter, Naomi, mm-hmm. who again took us through the beautiful grounds up to the old church that's there. She sat down with us and talked us through a, an amazing lunch, mm. but also a cider and pear tasting paddle. Yes, of their of their award winning ciders, yes. and they have such a range of ciders um, that was so enjoyable and. She so proudly shared stories with us. Again, this is an incredible family story, five generations in. They're still farming. The original trees that Frank, their namesake of the family, planted all of those years ago. Mm. So a great spot to stop, have some lunch, try some ciders. I've never really been a cider drinker, but I have to say after our visit to the Huon, I am partial to a good apple or pear cider now. They also have a museum as well, and it is just a a beautiful old building set in what was the original Sunday school for the church that's a little further up the, up the hill. And it is so homely. It has such a family feel Mm. about it. Mm. So, yeah, we really enjoyed that. Across the road again, back to what is next door to the boat centre, the wooden boat centre, is Sail Carowin, a beautiful old catch sailing boat that was built um, actually across the Huon River in Signet back in 1949. Over the last seven years, it has been lovingly restored and now repurposed to uh, take on passengers and sail quietly and peacefully down this majestic river. This was an absolute highlight, wasn't it? It it was. It was our highlight of the region Mm. for sure. The Huon is integral to this 
I mean, the Huon River to this region. And so to be able to get out on the Huon, as we did with Dave and Anastasia from Sail Carowan, and really experience that that moment to take in this beautiful environment. I mean, this valley is stunning and to see it from the perspective of the water was just awesome. The highlight of this experience, though, is spending time with Dave and Anastasia yeah. and and hearing their story. Seven years they've poured their hearts and souls and no doubt bank accounts into lovingly restoring what was used as a, a fishing boat to turn it into now a vessel that can take guests on board and give them that experience of the mm. Huon River. Just awesome. Love this. And it's an hour and a half cruise. The only thing we would say is that we wished it was longer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you're just settling in and you're like, oh, I don't want to get off. Look, know? I have to say, again, totally family friendly and dog friendly even. They've said that they've had some guests who've taken their dogs on board as well. Jasper, literally, we weren't even on for five minutes and they said to Jasper, do you want to take the, the no. wheel? Yep. Yeah. He, he drove the boat. Is that the right terminology? Yeah, he drove steered. the boat, steered mm. the boat the entire way down the river. Under sail, there was not a chance he was giving up that steering wheel. He was Captain Jasper and he absolutely loved it. So a highlight for him as well. We, again, uh, you know, would push you back to watch the footage <laughs> if you really want to see how amazing this experience was. Mm. And as you mentioned, Katie, it's really about Dave and Anastasia yeah. and their story, yeah. you know, and them being so open to sharing everything that they've gone through to create this experience and share it with people. Yeah, awesome. All right, for us, it was then on to dinner. We didn't really have room. Oh, I feel full just talking about it. <laughs> we went to a place only 15 minute, metres down on the same side of the road on the riverside called Osteria to meet Sophia and Martino, they hail from a little town in Italy, the place that makes those little butchy chocolates, you know? Yes. Bucky, butchy. Yes. Yeah, so that's uh, they grew up there actually in the same little village, a couple of streets apart, and then in their teenage years re-met again as they were travelling and then a few more years later ended up meeting and marrying and now started a family in Tasmania in Franklin. Yeah, just gorgeous Amazing. people and a, a very sweet little restaurant that they have here again that overlooks the beautiful river, Italian-inspired. The meals were fantastic. We absolutely loved our dinner. They were big enough. We couldn't fit them in, uh, although <laughs> I did leave enough room for dessert and if you're a tiramisu lover, you must try their tiramisu. It's called Kick-ass tiramisu. <laughs> it was amazing. Unfortunately, we've converted Jasper to a tiramisu lover, so I think he actually <laughs> ate more of the dessert than we did. But a really lovely spot to stop and, again, go in, meet locals mm. who are using fresh produce from the region to create their own dishes. So mm. very well worth stopping into Asteria. Awesome Italian hospitality. Yeah. In the Huon. Yes. So good. And this region is so rich with people from every part of the globe mm -hmm. bringing their talent, their skills, their cultures to this mixing pot of, you know, incredible fresh produce and yes, making it all work together. We love it. It's complimentary, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's like nowhere else we've really experienced 
No, not on this scale. Okay, Jeefston is about another 20 minutes down the road. Yes. And we are going down there for another couple of foodie experiences. Oh not on the same day. This is a couple of days later after we could breathe. <laughs> yes. And Jeefston is known as Tasmania's forest town. It really was the epicenter of harvesting timber in the region. The town hall here is massive. It is such an impressive building. Mm. Walk in, learn all about the history. But something very unique here and innovative is their platypus display. So the kids are invited to pick up an iPad and then scan it over a virtual world for the platypus and find a platypus that then swims onto screen and you're, you're hovering over what is a rocky out um, creek of this area of the Huon and it just brings it to life. Mm -hmm. And that was our elusive local resident that we actually finally got to see. Great experience. It really was. Everything about the visitor information centre here was fantastic yeah. and it was um, very hands-on, very immersive. And again, like you said, Paul just gave a really great display of the region and the history and then to have something like this for the kids, a really interactive experience, very beautifully done. So well worth stopping in, especially really well done. if you don't get to see a platypus in the wild. Yes. Mm. All right. Harvest and Light is just across the road, uh, run by the, the beautiful and enthusiastic Carrie. Cassie. Cassie, sorry, <laughs> is a picklery, uh, something that we'd never experienced before. Well done, Cassie. We love this. Katie's favourite foodie experience. It is of all time. And mm -hmm. we've done plenty of these foodie experiences around Australia. I absolutely love this for how unique it was. Cassie pickles and she pickles everything. And again, she utilises this incredible local produce. So you can go in and have lunch like we did, order up a, a grazing plate that really showcases the best of Cassie's produce, mix it with some Tassie cheeses, a glass of beautiful local Tasmania wine and sit back and take in the artworks because Cassie is also a photographer, so it doubles as a gallery. Amazing. Such a unique experience. The produce and the, the pickled items that are for sale, that was the hardest part for me, was trying to decide, okay, I know I can only take a few things home to the caravan because they weigh so much. What am I going to choose? I wish that I could order online from Cassie because I think I'd be putting in a weekly order. Her produce is amazing. Yeah. The pickled cherries and the pickled peaches, I have to say, were a definite wow. highlight. Is your mouth watering? Because I'm <laughs> starting to salivate just talking about it. I think that might need to be where Cassie takes her products next is online because we would definitely order there. Yes, first customer yeah. right here. Might be easier than having to travel all the way down there. <laughs> yes. All right. Our very last foodie stop as we wrap up now is Masaki, famously known as the Surfing Sushi Chef. Try saying that quickly a few times. <laughs> this guy hails from Osaka, came down to Tasmania, fell in love with the location, the world's best seafood that he can fish for a few days a week. He grows all his own produce and then – uh, again, communicates and collaborates with the other local producers to bring together what is now being regarded as the number one sushi experience in Australia. We got to meet Masaki, have a little chat. Jasper actually spoke to him in Japanese, which was very cute. Yep. 
and he was uh, very surprised, I think, to hear uh, the Japanese coming out of Jasper's little mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look, if you do go and visit Masaki and order one of his sushi boxes, take this as a warning. You are never going to want to eat sushi True. anywhere else again. It is like a piece of art. Yeah. It's... It almost looked too beautiful to ruin by eating, but gee, I'm thankful we did because it was amazing. And again, Masaki's out there. He's tending to this produce. He's out picking the fresh ingredients. He's out fishing for his fresh seafood, and it all goes into these amazing creations that he makes that truly mm. are beautiful. He sells out every weekend, so he's only open, I think, two or three days a week because mm. the rest of it is preparing and harvesting. And I think his sign says, if you want to come for lunch, arrive early mm. <laughs> because he's normally sold out by lunchtime. Uh, amazing. Yeah. What an incredible story and such a lovely, lovely man. And if you are in Tassie, you can actually order online at uh, Masaki's website. So it's M-A-A-S-A-K-I. Awesome. Yeah, check that out. Okay, that wraps up all of our experiences. Hopefully we we remembered everything, checking my notes. The takeaway for this week would have to be around the community and the collaborative that Mm -hmm. happens within this community. Never have we seen this so... um, constant in Mm. every experience where it seems that every experience, uh, every restaurant, every cafe, everywhere that you go wants to tell you about the next guy or something has been used from another producer to complement what they're offering Mm -hmm. and they let you know, oh, they're Jim's Peaches, oh, that's from Johnny's Farm, that's from Fat Pig Cafe, that's from the the cows up the road. Amazing. The collaborative is amazing. It really is. And and every gift store that you walk into sells everybody's products. You know, Glen Hewen Dairy featured everybody along Glen Hewen Road who who was an artisan uh, provider or who handmade something. All of those wares were available at the farm Mm. store. And this is a regular occurrence in the Hewen Valley. And Part of the reason I think why I have fallen so deeply in love with this region of Tasmania and could very easily see myself as a part of that because it is so collaborative and so community. Love it. Love it. All right. In the newsroom, we're going Mm. to move on to the Widowmaker. You know, not a a great term and and unfortunately uh, the name – actually means what it says. Mm. Through history, there's been a number of different trees here in Australia, the beech tree, the eucalypts, the gum trees, that at times can just drop their limbs unexpectedly. And, you know, the old swagman story goes camping under there and unfortunately is killed when one of these branches that, you know, can weigh ton, Mm. you know, uh, will take his life and leave behind a widow. So there is a news article out at the moment uh, around this given the amount of rain, uh, the the huge weather event of Mm. rain that we've had across the East Coast back in November of 2021. Yeah, absolutely. And the ABC article goes on to say basically because of the unprecedented amount of rain that Australia has received over summer, these trees are basically waterlogged. And Parks Victoria actually have put out a warning that all Australians should heed if you're a caravaner or a camper and you're out in the bush. Don't camp under these big trees because summertime is the time 
that they tend to drop their limbs. They are either so full of water and the limbs are are rotting away and, and need to be discarded. Oftentimes, even the ground is so soaked and those the water table has risen so much that mm. the tree and roots and all will basically just fall over. And there was an instance not that long ago uh, where a man was camping with his caravan and a huge limb from a eucalypt tree from a gum dropped onto the roof of his caravan very thankfully. Just literally split the caravan in half. Yes. I mean, these things uh, weigh hundreds and hundreds mm. of kilos. Some of these trees are over 40 metres tall. So yes. that's a fair distance to drop something that heavy yes. onto whatever's underneath it. Well, and that's right. Very thankfully, he was inside but was not injured. But witnesses said it was like there was an explosion. So we find this really interesting because being campers and, and you know, free camping especially, you, you do tend to migrate to where there are trees and some shade, particularly mm. in Australia's summer and the heat. So a good one to remember to keep yourself and your family safe. Yes. All right. And uh, another good mention in that article is just to look up and mm. if it doesn't look right, you'll probably spot on your stomach, t- you know, trust Trust that inkling. Yes, absolutely. All right. Next week, the spectacular Tasman Peninsula. Awesome. So good. We're going to visit one of the 11 World Heritage listed convict sites here in Australia, Port Arthur, Mm -hmm. probably the most famous convict settlement uh, uh, in Australia. Mm. So that is going to be next week. Also, our number one tour of all time. Oh, yes. Yeah. Tassie just continues to deliver the goods. Seriously, this place is amazing and so diverse with its natural beauty, its wildlife experiences, and of course, its history. Yeah. All right. We are going to wrap it up there. We did pretty well. That was a lot to get through in uh, 45 minutes. I tell you what, there's so much more. that we could have spoken about. Mm -hmm. It is truly a remarkable location. I I think if you were coming down to Tassie and you were a food lover, you know, you love your beverages, you're a foodie, Mm -hmm. we feel at this stage, not even having completed Tassie, this would probably be the number one area that and region that you could explore and leave incredibly satisfied. Mm. Or not leave at all. <laughs> and we've met plenty of people like that too. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, we will wrap it up there. For now, we will say dream big, look after yourself, look after your family. And happy trails. Still a journey, still a journey.